0: Good morning, everyone. It is really good to be here with my friends at Cedar Falls. Normally you find me hanging out around the Grundy County campus, but I'm really glad that you invited me to be here this week uh, to teach in this really cool series called Who is Jesus? And we're not talking about what would Jesus do, not facts about his life, not the history of Jesus, but who is he? And how can we know who someone is when we can't really hang out with them face to face? Well, one way is to ask their friends about him. So, a few years ago, someone walked up to one of my best friends and said, they thought I was really stuck up, not very friendly. And I can understand that, maybe some of you are nodding right now, because I often choose to sit off by myself. And it's really hard for me to walk up and insert myself into a group. But my friend told this person something they really might not know about me, and that is that I have really profound hearing loss. In fact, I am completely deaf on one side. And so I often don't hear people talking to me. Jeff and I had this problem like three times this morning. He's talking to me on the wrong side. (laughs) So I just don't hear you, or even worse, I mishear you. And I give you an answer that makes absolutely no sense to whatever it is you ask me, kind of like this. Santa's saying to the elf, I didn't say to hook up the rain gear. I am always the elf in this story. It is like a constant joke with my friends and family. And because being in a crowd is so frustrating for me and for everyone else, I just sometimes tend to avoid them. And it's not because I don't like other people or because I think I'm better than them. It's just exhausting and embarrassing sometimes. So I don't know who that person was, but I'm really glad that they asked my friend about me so that they could have a different perspective, even if they still think I'm really stuck up. Well, Jesus had this really good friend named John, and I think, like my friends, John probably had to explain Jesus to other people too. And finally, he just wrote it all down. And so in this series the teachers have divided up the gospel of john and we're using different sections of his account of his friend jesus to help answer the question who is jesus and you guys this morning i have to ask for your help because we have been assigned this really big challenge we're supposed to cover john 17 18 19 20 and 21. (laughs) five chapters there is just no way i can detail all of that right and so i'm going to ask you to this week go home and engage your bible right i love reading john because he's super concise and really easy to understand and so even though we're talking about five chapters in my bible it's only about 10 pages so i know you can do this but we're going to pick up john's account in chapter 17 And Jesus is with his disciples in the upper room at the Passover feast, or sometimes we call this the Last Supper, right? Jesus is teaching, and he's praying with his friends for what he knows will be the very last time before he's going to be arrested and crucified. So as Jesus is about to start the most difficult part of his earthly life, what does he do first? He prays. In fact, all. Of chapter 17 is Jesus praying. Jesus, God the Son, praying. That is really an amazing picture, and I don't think it's something we should read too casually, so we're gonna really dig into this, and we're gonna start with verses one through five. Jesus prays this Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all of those you have given him. And now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Now, one thing I like to do, even though these are Jesus' words and there's no words more beautiful than his, for me, it's helpful to rephrase when I read into my own words. So that's what I'm going to do for you now. We're going to leave the original scripture up here. and We'll go back to one. And I'm going to say it for you in a different way. Okay, coach, this is it. Last play, and I'm doing it all for you. Whatever glory, praise, or honor I get out of this, I'm sending it back your way. You gave me some folks to mentor and work with down here so they can join us in eternal life. But if they know you and me, they have eternal life already. You gave me a job, and I finished it all for your glory. But now I ask you to bring me back to my own glory right next to you in the place I have been Before the world began. So, in one short prayer, we have already learned something about who Jesus is. Jesus is eternal. He's been with the Father from the beginning, and now that his mission on earth is almost done, he's going back to be with the Father again, and he's inviting those of us who know him and know the Father to join in that eternal life. That's why he came. From the very beginning of John's Gospel, all the way to the end, he repeats and repeats this important detail about his friend. He is eternal. Jesus didn't just pop into creation for a few years. He's always been, and he always will be. So Jesus continues his prayer by praying for his disciples, for his friends, and then. And then John records the very last part of the very last prayer before he's arrested. Now, can we just stop here for one second? Have any of you ever been in a situation where you hardly had any time left? Like, I have 20 questions left on the ACT portion um, of the math section and I realize I only have five minutes left? (laughs) What do I start doing? Just filling in the bubbles, right? Or have any of you ever forgotten that friends are coming over until like 20 minutes before they're supposed to arrive? I guarantee you, in that 20 minutes, you could care less about unimportant stuff like dust, right? You're only doing the most important things like Do I have toilet paper in the bathroom? Do I have dirty underwear lying around? Can I light a candle fast enough to cover up the smell of fish that I just cooked for dinner? Oh no, I'm pretty sure I just heard the dog puke in the living room. (laughs) Right when time is running out, you only do the most important things. So if you were Jesus, and you were about to be arrested and crucified, with time running out for one last prayer, what would it be? What would it be? Well, obviously, I'm not Jesus. And I made myself write down the very first thing that popped into my head. And here is what I wrote. Please God, disconnect my pain receptors. But here is what Jesus actually prayed. It's in John seventeen twenty. My prayer is not for them alone. He's referring to his disciples. That's the them in this statement. My prayer is not for them alone, for my disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. Are you kidding me right now? I would have prayed for no pain. (laughs) Not Jesus, though. Jesus, God the Son, knelt down and prayed for me. Jesus, God the Son, knelt down and prayed for you. When time was running out, when there was only time for the most important thing, we were the most important thing. And not just us here in this room, not just people here in this country, or even in this century. Jesus got down and prayed for every believer who has ever lived, for every believer who is alive on this planet right now, and for every believer who has yet to be born. But this... This was not just some generic prayer like, Lord, I pray for all future believers, you know, like the weak way I might pray sometimes. No, Jesus had something specific that he prayed for us. Do you know what he prayed for you? What he prayed for me? What he prayed for his church? Remember, time is running out. There's only time for the most important thing, In John 17, 21 through 22, here's the most important thing. Father, I pray that all of them may be one, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. He prayed for us to be one one with God and one with each other so if we are one with Jesus and Jesus is eternal does that mean we are eternal too yes it does you in Christ are ever living never dying beings and in case you need more convincing here's what Jesus prays in verse 24. Father I want those of you, those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world." Wow. Jesus is eternal, and he just prayed for all of us to be with him, to be with them, Father, Son, and Spirit. So now I want you to think about this with me. How would our lives change if we actually lived our lives as if we were eternal? In other words, how would your life change if you recognized it for what it truly was? What would be different? If we lived our lives as the eternal beings Jesus invites us to be, how would we act differently, think differently, react differently? Would our priorities be different? Like, do I really need to work so hard to try to look 10 years younger if I'm going to live to infinity anyway? Like when I'm a 1,000, do I care if someone walks up to me and says, Steph, you don't look a day past 990, right? But I spend a lot of time on that. Or if I'm going to see the glory of Jesus, do I care how much was in my bank account the day I left this earth to see that glory? Do I care which of the kids gets the house? Or am I more concerned that they get to spend eternity with me in that place? completely blows my mind to think that Jesus wants to be one with me and he wants me to have eternal life with him but I can definitely get behind that plan right I'm 100% in favor but what about those parts of Jesus prayer where we're supposed to be one with each other with all other believers too I'm not so sure about that one with each other part why does that have to happen and why does Jesus care so much about unity in his church that it's the last thing he prays for well he tells us why But to be honest, I tend to sort of skip over it because it calls me out. I skipped it with you just now. Did you notice that we skipped verse 23? Let's go back to that. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. May they be brought to complete unity. Why? To let the world know that you sent me why do I like to gloss over this part of Jesus's prayer because up until now this is all Jesus's work right he's the one being crucified he's the one praying for us to be with him in eternity I'm just receiving this gift of eternal life which sounds great but this part of the prayer this part involves me and this part involves you and every believer he's asking us to do something More than that, he is praying to the Father to empower us to do something, right? He's asking the Father to empower us to work together, to be united in Christ so that the world will know about the Father sending the Son for us. Now, unity does not mean that we all think the same, look the same, speak the same language, live in the same country, or have the same gifts or passions, or even all the same exact beliefs on how to do something. It does not mean that we're all clones. Jesus' own friends were very different from each other. But unity does mean that we, even in all of our differences, have the same goal and the same leader. And that goal being to follow Jesus and let the whole world know about him. Being one. Being united it points people to god because only god could bring together a group of believers as diverse as the original disciples right as diverse as orchard hill church or as diverse as believers around the world to one common purpose to let the world know who jesus is i think i have work to do here do you that's why Jesus' prayer for unity makes me kind of uncomfortable. In the context of eternity, I can let some pretty silly things separate me from other believers. I don't like how we collect the offering. The service time got moved in Granny County, and it's so inconvenient for me to come 30 minutes later or 30 minutes earlier to church service. The teacher today is not my favorite. So I'm not going to worship. Why do they let stuff teach anyway? (laughs) The music is too loud. The music's not loud enough. We just sang that song last week. I hate that coffee can be brought into the sanctuary. Baptism should only be done one way. Our church should be most focused on you fill in the blank. I didn't agree with the protocols during the pandemic. Communion should be done this way and not that way. How attractive is my disunity to someone seeking god and how heartbreaking when jesus's last prayer was for us to be united i'm going to work on that so in christ we're invited to be eternal beings part of a unified body of believers sharing in the work of jesus and anyway jesus is doing all the heavy lifting He's not asking me to be crucified or descend into hell or to carry the sins of the world, but he is asking every follower to get involved, to do some work together, to put a little skin in the game, and to get along and love each other while we do it. So after he prays, Jesus is arrested. He's crucified and resurrected, and he appears to his friends where they were gathered together in a home. Jesus says to them in John 20, 21 through 22, peace be with you as the father has sent me i am sending you and with that he breathed on them and said receive the holy spirit he gives them an assignment first an assignment to these friends but we have the same mission as the father sent me in the power of the spirit and with eternal life jesus says i am sending you with that same spirit and life, and with that same willingness to put others first and be a servant. When we choose to follow Jesus, we are also choosing to get involved in his work. We are choosing to be sent like Jesus was sent. This is not optional. It's not extra credit. It's not just for professional Christians. It's the call on every single one of us, you guys. At the very end of the Gospel of John, John is following his friend Peter and the resurrected Jesus. And they're having a conversation. Jesus asked Peter to feed my sheep. Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. Now, he's not talking about a literal flock of sheep, right? He's using this metaphor to describe all of the people under his care. All of us. And with that command, Peter and the disciples are sent To feed Jesus' sheep, to start the passing on of truth that is the Christian faith, to invite people to be one with Jesus and one with each other and experience eternal life. Peter took the baton from Jesus and he passed it to the next generation and the next and the next and the next. This is the Christian life. It is our mission statement as a church. It's our mission statement as followers of Jesus. So look, I know this is a real challenge. And it would be easier for me to skip verse 23. So for all of our sakes, I tried to find an escape clause. (laughs) And I looked all through John. And as much as I would have liked to find it, John does not say, he does not say, and once you have the gift of eternal life with Christ, sit on the couch keep it all to yourself forever and ever amen so my netflix cue i guess it's going to stay full so recently i was at a funeral for this wonderful man some of you might know him eldon deacon Um, it was out at our old lincoln center campus and his children and grandchildren spoke of falling asleep listening to eldon praying And they talked about how much he loved Jesus and how much he shared Jesus with them. And today, I can see Eldon's great-grandson being carried around on his Grandpa Randy's shoulders. And I am powerfully reminded of the many generations between Peter and me. A long line of believers helping next generations encounter and follow Jesus into eternal life. A long line of believers who knew they were eternal and who knew they needed to be unified and who were sent. You Guys, it's our turn to be sent. It's our turn. We're off the bench now. I am sending you, Jesus says. And I'm sending you. And I'm sending you. And I'm sending you too. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to get called up here next week to teach. Each of us have our own unique, God-given way to share eternity. But that does mean that other people have to see you (laughs) or be impacted by your actions, your prayers, your words, and your life, right? And for that to happen, we have to be in each other's spaces and lives and joys and hurts and even in each other's deafness. (laughs) maybe an easy start is making the effort to be here at worship every week because your presence is a constant encouragement to someone that you might not even recognize because you might be the one he sent to hand a Kleenex or a smile or a shoulder to someone who stumbles in here desperately in need of hope Maybe this is the year you decide to help with a ministry that passes the baton of faith to the next generation. Maybe he's sending you to sacrifice some time so that a middle school kid will get through those horrible years of hormones and growing up that none of us want to relive and follow Jesus into eternity instead of other choices that she might make. Are you being sent to lead music? Or to be a smiling face of greeting or to lead a study group or join a study group maybe he's sending you to brew coffee or to serve out in the community away from our church or to reach out to a long lost friend or even that grouchy neighbor next door he will send you by putting things right in front of you he will send you to things that make you so excited or things that break your heart He will send you to things that are comfortable and things that are hard. But he won't send you alone. He sends us together in unity, in oneness with him. John 17, 23. Don't skip this verse. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me. John has a lot to say about his friend Jesus, more than just the events of his life. Don't be deaf to that message. Don't mishear him. Jesus is eternal. He invites us into that eternity with him. And he asks us to work together to tell the world about him. And he is with you. He is with me. He is with all of us as we do this together. Will you pray with me? Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the invitation and the gift into eternity. Thank you for sending the Spirit to help us. Thank you for community that you give us. Father, Son, and Spirit, you live in a community so one that we can't even understand it. And I ask that you forgive us when we fail to try to live that way. Help us do that better. Thank you for friends like John who understand us and explain us to other people. Give us the courage now to go out and fulfill this mission.